0: Before we get started, I wanted to remind everyone, as I so often do, of my favorite way for you to support the podcast, and that's using our affiliate link for Blick, which is MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick. Using our affiliate link takes you straight through to the regular Blick website. It functions exactly the same, but when you use our affiliate link, Blick will donate 10% of your purchase to the Messy Studio Podcast. I always recommend to just bookmark that link, and then when you're ready to purchase art supplies, just use your bookmark. It takes almost no effort, and if everyone does it, it'll be a tremendous help to the podcast. Right now, Blake is still offering a discount on those disposable palette pads, which I actually mentioned in this episode. But the Michael Harding Artist paints are also 25% off now. Rebecca tells me these are really high quality oils. So if you're in need of some good oil paint, make sure to go to MessyStudioPodcast.com slash Blick and pick up some of those Michael Harding Artist oils for 25% off. All right, that's all for now. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about counterproductive habits. Being productive in the studio means different things to each artist, but wanting to grow and achieve new levels in our work is basic to the creative process. Yet, there are many practices and attitudes that work against productivity, causing frustration and creative blocks and wasting valuable studio time. Today, we will talk about some of these counterproductive situations and how to challenge them in your own studio practice. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll.
1: Hello, everyone. Okay, before we get into it, I just Want to mention because I talked about it last week that we are going to do a follow up episode to the last week's podcast on aging and talk about kind of practical things like estate planning. But we, it's a big topic and we want to do some more research first because we want to get everything right. So that's in the lineup for future episodes. Um, but today's topic, um, I think it's something that concerns everyone. Uh, every day in the studio, I mean, I don't think anyone is exempt from having a few counterproductive habits. Um, and maybe a good place to start is to think about uh productivity and and as you mentioned, that means different things to different people. And if you you know, if you can get a grip on what that means to you, I think it helps to identify what's working against that., um, counterproductive, means, according to the dictionary, it means uh, tending to hinder the attainment of a desired goal. Okay, so maybe knowing what pr- productivity means to you also ties in with having a sense of what your goals are for your time in the studio, how you're spending your time. Um, and that, you know, that's just, there's no right answers here. That's just a an honest look at how you view your studio time, um, and that's very different for different people. You might think uh, you want to work a certain number of days a week, a certain number of hours of week, maybe that's every day, maybe it's five days a week. Some people are fine uh, working in sort of bursts of activity, or maybe that's because they have uh, other obligations, they only have a certain amount of time in the studio. And so that actual timing, it varies a lot, but kind of getting a grip on what that means to you. And you might have other goals that they're maybe they're vague in your mind, maybe they're not vague, but you may have a sense that you want to produce a certain number of your pieces, uh, whatever it is you do per month or per year, or maybe you're very open-ended about it and you just think, Well, whatever happens, you know, you don't have any sense of how much you want to produce. Um, Maybe you work in more than one medium, and so that also kind of maybe has different goals for different media, um, or maybe you just focus on one. Um, Some people have, you know, outside obligations, like they work with a gallery, so they have there's more of a goal because the gallery is saying we're going to do this exhibit for you or we need six new paintings or whatever it is. So getting some grip on, you know, your time needs and how you view them is really a first step because if you just have this vague sense that I'm not being very productive or I'm not productive enough, um, if you can weigh that against what your actual goals and expectations are. I think that's a good starting point and being, being pretty specific about it.
0: Yeah. It's always a struggle when you go through a whole day and you feel like you didn't really achieve anything. Right. Um, Do you think that it's, it's good to, to write down goals or to, to really like identify them specifically or to even do like a daily to-do list or is that just too structured or, or is it somewhere in the middle or dependent on the situation?
1: I think it depends so much on the person, the situation also. I mean, I guess I think uh, kind of a baseline is maybe not writing out a daily schedule or anything specific like that, unless you need that for yourself. Uh, but maybe just uh, write sort of a, a something in your sketchbook in which you explore your own uh, goals and your own specifically about how you use your time and and just you know meander a bit if you want and say in this case i felt like i was wasting time in this case i felt like i was right on target and just trying to to you know sort of shine a light on your feelings about your time it is very true that you know in the creative process we could have days we could have several days <laughs> At a time in which we feel like we have done nothing, but were we in the studio? Were we doing something? We, you know, sometimes a painting will will take much longer than you think, and you could spend the whole day putting paint down and scraping it off again. That's not exactly counterproductive, I and mean, that's just part of the process of figuring things out. <laughs> so, um, I guess that's when having a goal like. Um, I need to get these number of paintings done for this exhibit keeps you on track. Uh, and and that sort of goal, whether it's long-term, whether it's short-term, is helpful, whether you write it down or just kind of know it.
0: Yeah, I think that those things are very useful for us, but it, it also can increase frustration when, I mean, sometimes life just throws something at us, no. you know, that, that disrupts our workflow. And I'm thinking about the other day there was – um, I had I had my whole day planned out. I had things that I was gonna achieve and then uh, my wife Kara said, hey, would you mind replacing the uh, the washing machine hoses because I feel like they're throwing some some lining from the hoses into the wash and it's it's gross and and uh, I had the kit handy and I said, yeah, no problem. that'll take me five minutes
1: right <laughs> you know, which is like
0: famous <laughs> last words, right? And the hose was actually seized up onto the um onto like the tap you know that that it connects to with, with the plumbing and so i i called a friend of mine uh who's uh he he's just a very talented handyman that that lives almost right next door to me and uh, i said you know i got a bad feeling about this if you wouldn't mind coming over and and kind of helping me out i mean it should just take 10 minutes right yeah it probably to took half the day get this thing up and <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We ended up having to to completely replace that that piece where the hose was seized up yeah. on there. We, we could not get it off. And uh, we I mean, it was it was a good three hours of work to to um, do the, the plumbing necessary. <laughs> right. Not not what I had planned on doing with that day. But you know what? We actually did something that was really important to get done.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't necessarily call that counterproductive. I mean, it was, it, so I think, you know, being flexible about what you do produce in a day, maybe not what you thought, but you did get something done that needed to be done, you know, works in the studio too. Um, So yeah, that sense of counterproductive is when you really, there's something, you're doing things as a habit. You're doing things as part of your personality almost that work against you. And it's not really about outside things happening or, you know, situations that you can't control or even things in the creative process that hang you up because you're still trying, you're still working at it. Um, so I'm talking more about things like, oh, scheduling things in your day that are going to work against your time in the studio. Maybe, you know, you, when you're making an appointment for, for getting your hair done or you're doctor or something, and they say, you know, okay, so I've got one o'clock on Thursday. And part of your brain thinks, hmm, my studio time is 12 to 4. That's right. That's going to destroy my studio day. But in an effort to, you know, make things work, you say, okay, yeah, that works. Okay. Well, you know, sometimes if you recognize that you tend to schedule things during your studio time, you have to make a conscious effort to say sorry, I'm working then, or something like that, <laughs> and let's find another time.
0: Yeah, your studio time should not be the first thing on the on the chopping block when it comes time to squeeze things into your day. Like, what do you sacrifice? And that
1: on? is a you know, yeah, that, should, that is it, a huge counterproductive thing that a lot of people do is they they don't look at it as work, and so they haven't really scheduled it in their brain. And something else comes up. Okay, that's fine. That works. Uh, actually. No, it really doesn't. You can do it once in a while, but if you make a habit of that, it's not good. Um, you know, other things people do, like um, they procrastinate when they go into the studio. <laughs> I'll get into more of these in a minute, uh, and or maybe they say, "Oh yes, okay." Um, I'd really like to be in a gallery. I'd really like to be having exhibits, but in truth they never finish anything. you know. It's like the, this habit of letting things pile up that aren't really done and then you don't have anything to go forward with. Um, but So there's certain things that you can point your finger to. Uh, I think there's other things that are kind of buried in your personality maybe <clears throat> that are harder to kind of realize what they might be doing to your productivity. And one of those is uh, overthinking and taking a long, long time to make decisions and things. We've talked about this before in the podcast, this kind of, um, over overthinking, um, you can identify it in yourself and your daily life if you take a really long time, um, uh, to make even unimportant decisions, you know, maybe take longer time in the grocery store than most people because you're reading every label and you're comparing every price, um, and sometimes, you I mean, you know, you have to take time to make big decisions. If you're buying car insurance, you want to really look at different companies and so on. But making, taking a lot of time to make decisions, overthinking, really affects a lot of things in an art practice from, you know, even from deciding about what materials to buy or what size panel you want to work on or things like that. I know people. I know artists that get very hung up at this point. They they have an idea, and then you know the devils in the details. They they can't quite move beyond um, getting the materials or getting going because they're they're really wound up in how this is going to turn out and how what do I need to start and all that stuff, and they lose their momentum. Um, so that that aspect of personality is bleeding over into the studio and really causing a problem where in fact so much of these things that happen in the studio studio can be done intuitively and trusting intuition Um, you know not getting some some artists want to make you know like color charts before they start a painting or things that maybe they learned to do in school maybe they still want to be doing them but maybe they've grown past that and they can trust their intuition and not do so much preparation before diving in. <laughs> um, I'm kind of of the diving in school myself, but, and I understand, you know, like people are different, but questioning, challenging some of the things that you may be doing um, out of habit, out of your personality that are, that are working against you, and they may be so ingrained that you don't even recognize them and that that your creative work can be different from your daily life. I mean, some of these things probably serve you in your daily life, but, you know, being careful, making decisions, but, wow, in the studio, maybe not so much. Um, I'd say there are some other kind of counterproductive habits of thought and attitude. Um, things like people that are you know, need a lot of reassurance about their work. So that can hold you back if if every time you change something in your painting or you get to a stage of the painting where you're sort of stuck and you want reassurance and you want feedback and input and you're depending on somebody outside yourself to, to move you forward, that can be counterproductive. And again, um, you know i i see it a lot with with people that are learning to paint not really having the confidence to just keep going but uh you know other people too and and you you kind of freeze up and that's a habit because you you want you you sort of dependent on somebody else saying oh you're fine or you know just put some more blue here and keep going you know so the more that you can be confident about your work and you know, sort of wean yourself away from getting a lot of feedback. I think that's that really aids productivity. Um, I think perfectionism is another one that is very counterproductive. Another habit, and it uh, it just sort of holds you back, you know, from taking risks, trying out ideas. Um, yeah, sometimes it's not going to work out. Um, What else? Uh, Oh, problems. A lot of people focus on. It kind of gets back to that decision making thing, but they focus on having the perfect studio set up. So they think, oh, should I have my table here or there? What kind of lighting do I need? You know, what about shelving? What about this and that? It's like until they feel they have a very perfect working environment, you know, they can't quite get into their work. So, you know, just wanting things to be very perfect, wanting them to be very cleaned up, very organized. And so those are things, you know, get into a little bit more in a minute, but um, it's kind of a lot of messing around, you know, before just just getting into it. And sometimes that's the hardest thing is just getting started. And And many people have that counterproductive approach of, Going into the studio and just feeling like they have to do a lot of things before they can get going.
0: Let's take a a quick break to talk about what's new from Cold Wax Academy. Rebecca and Jerry are busy planning the summer quarter of their membership program, which begins on July 13th. These exciting sessions will explore personal voice and composition and continue the topic of professional development with some special guests. Member critiques and painting clinics cold wax academy's new feature are ongoing you can join the membership program anytime and catch up with past recorded sessions at your own pace please visit coldwaxacademy.com for more information that's coldwaxacademy.com also stay tuned for information coming soon about rebecca and jerry's newest project espacio dedicated to providing beautiful living and working spaces for artists and writers Espacio's first offering is Casa Clavel, a modern, fully equipped house opening this September in the beautiful cultural city of San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. You can learn more and make a reservation by emailing info at coldwaxacademy.com. A dedicated Espacio website is coming soon. Once again, to learn more and make a reservation, just email info at coldwaxacademy.com. All right, let's get back into the show. Yeah, it almost seems like kind of a, a a TV trope or something where where our protagonist spends all their time making everything perfect, and then they're, they're like, "Okay, I'm everything's perfect now. I can get to work," and then they're just not quite sure even how to get started. Yeah.
1: and I mean, some of it is not really being in touch with your own, uh, your own force, <laughs> your own intentions, your direction, and you can. You know, you could that just can dissipate when you don't keep it going, and and you spend too much time doing other stuff, um, and you know, then sort of like insecurities about what you're doing, and am I am I doing enough, and all these things can creep in, and and they can really put the brakes on your productivity. And I think if you have several of these issues going on, you really do have a lot to overcome. <laughs> We've talked about these a lot of these individually in past episodes. Trying today to kind of see them as a as a whole, like what what are you doing that's kind of working against you, and it it may seem hard to overcome any of these, um, let alone more than one, but just to try to um, shed some light on this issue, and I think. For me, it's it's a little odd, but the main thing for me is recognizing that you can be a different person in your studio. Your your daily habits that of procrastination, of uh, perfectionism, of decision making problems—they do not need to be who you are in the studio. And I know this sounds strange, um, but it—but I find it true in my own life. Um, I mean, I could say. Uh, my, a few of my own examples, I'm I'm pretty neat in the house. I can be almost obsessive going around picking things up and straightening things and making sure there's no dirty dishes and all this stuff. I It's like, that's who I am in my house. The title of this podcast is The Messy Studio. I am clearly, in that sense, a different person in my studio. I have stuff everywhere, and it's a big mess, and I'm fine with that. And it's always... Seemed odd to me that I could be a different person in that way in the studio. Um, I mean, there's other ways that's true for me. I, I can definitely be a procrastinator with things having to do with art business or things, anything to do with, you know, paperwork or you know, all these things like, you know, financial stuff and record keeping, all that. I'm very much a procrastinator. But in the studio, I don't procrastinate. I go in and start working, you know? And so I feel that I'm a different, have a different personality almost when I when I go in the door. Um, sometimes, you know, a decision-making can be hard in my personal life, but in the studio, it's very intuitive. So I don't know. Those are personal examples, but that it was really kind of the reason I started thinking about doing this podcast was who are we in the studio? It, can that be someone else? Can that be, this creative self, um, and and how does that happen? Why does that happen? I think it's seeing your studio as your uh, refuge, your happy place, if you will, your place where you can potentially shed things that may bog you down in the rest of life. And in this creative activity, is this is this huge like pressure valve that you can let you can let go. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't have that and and we're lucky to have it. Um, so something about looking at your studio time as separate from the rest of life and really treasuring it, I think is, that's what works for me. (laughs) It's like, I walk into the studio and, and I leave the rest of life behind for the most part. And, that allows me to let go of some of the more, you know, tense aspects of life and just, and just do the thing. Um,
0: Right. And really identifying what it is that gives you a sense of accomplishment while you're working in the studio. What's, what's really moving the needle and and being able to just really zero in on that and focus rather than being distracted.
1: Yeah. And, and, and finding ways to, to uh, keep yourself from being distracted, keeping keeping the studio a- as your sort of refuge as, as a goal, I think starting there is is important. And one of those ways is to make sure make sure it's a private place, um, at least in your immediate work zone. I mean, some people share studios, and and some people have a studio in their home, but as much as possible, you know it's your place and and people are not going to disturb you there. Um, when you're in that space, just limiting your use of the internet, phone calls, messages, any of that stuff that can distract you, um, allowing that, that focus and that laser beam <laughs> on your productivity, um, however you define it and distraction is very counterproductive. So limiting, limiting that. Um, And, you know, I I think some of the things that I mentioned earlier as kind of counterproductive habits, such as um, trying to make your studio set up so ideal. I think when you, when you look at your studio as its separate thing, as its own little world, okay, what, what can I, how can I work with this studio? Maybe it's not ideal. I mean, people make art on the kitchen table, you know. So, kind of um, acknowledging and being grateful for whatever it is you have working with it and getting away from any outside ideal of what the studio should be from what you see in other people's studios or art magazines or whatever, you know, you have what you have and dive in, you
0: know? Um, Yeah. I think that expressing gratitude is, is so powerful. It's such an important thing to do. Um, there's always somebody else who's, who's got a worse situation than you. Um, and it, I, that's, that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow, you know, but, uh, we, we should often be, be thinking in those ways because it's so, it's so easy to focus on what you don't have rather than what you do have. And part of that too is is thinking about your time in that way and being grateful for for every minute that you have mm-hmm. with your art, yeah. um, rather than being ungrateful for the things that pull you away. And there's always ways that we can maximize our time. If 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 we really do need to straighten up our studio space and more, make it more productive, um, there's oftentimes there's things that there's moments of time where you you set a process in place and then you have to wait. You have to give something time. Um and you can always use those little moments to okay, I'm just going to take 10 minutes and work on straightening things up mm-hmm. or uh, whatever it is that you feel you need to do in order to make your your space more productive. Yeah. But you can you can do that in bite-sized chunks when you have a minute.
1: I I think that's really good because one of the one of the ways that people procrastinate or Waste time in the studio is kind of over organizing, over cleaning. Um, <laughs> obviously, people have different s- standards, and and obviously, you do need some of that in order to work effectively. But as you say, you know, kind of isolating it. Okay, I'm going to spend this much time, or I'm going to clean up this one area. Um, when when do you do that? I mean, I it's funny because a lot of people feel there's some rule that you have to clean up at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know, like that's ingrained. Um, But for myself, I don't usually clean up at the end of the day because I wanna use, it's not really a conscious decision, it's just the way it works. I use up all my energy painting, and then I come to a point where I say, I am just done, you know, I'm done in, I'm ready to walk away. At that point, I don't want to clean my palette. (laughs) And because I'm an oil painter and, you know, my tools will be all right, my paints will be all right, I can walk away and I can clean that up in the morning. Some processes you do need to, you know, take care of or you're going to mess up your materials somehow. But, you know, finding that, that rhythm that works for you with cleaning and not letting it get to be, you know, too much.
0: Well, it sounds like what you need is one of the disposable pallets from Blick.
1: <laughs> yes, and they're on sale. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they at least were for the last couple of weeks. So we'll we'll, we'll check on that before this episode air.
1: <laughs> but, you know, a point of finding the easiest thing, the way that works for you. And, yeah.
0: Things that maximize your time. Right,
1: and, and you know, try not to be too judgmental about it. What do you need? What's going to work for you? Um, and... I think there's another aspect of making your studio this special place where you can be productive, you can leave things behind. And some of those, you know, thinking about what what is it that can help you make that space? Um, may, I know a lot of people do some sort of ritual when they enter their studio. So that could be anything from, you know, sitting, lighting a candle, thinking about what what you want to do, what's happening in your studio, maybe something you just tell yourself like, okay, I'm in the studio, the rest of life can wait. Um, some people like to do something physical like, you know, putting on some music and dancing a little bit or doing some kind of quick drawing um, and, and doing the things like I mentioned to ensure privacy, um, you know, disconnecting. And I think You know, another thing about that privacy is it removes you from anyone else's expectations. And something very counterproductive is worrying about what other people think about what you are doing in the studio. (laughs) So if you feel the need to show someone else that you've been productive, or you feel the need, if somebody pops into your studio, you don't want to be sitting on the couch. uh, Sometimes these odd expectations, worrying about what other people are thinking of you or expecting of you can really be a problem. And if you absolutely make your studio private and limit interruptions, you know, nobody nobody knows, nobody cares what you're doing in there. <laughs> and that's, that's liberating. And I know it sounds a little weird to even say people worry about what other people think they're doing in the studio, but um, I've noticed this and I've noticed it in particular um, during artists' residencies where there's a number of artists together. And so, you know, most of the time you're in your studio with the door shut. It's private. Well, you run into somebody outside and and you start talking. And sometimes people become rather defensive. Like, I mean, my typical thing is, oh, how's it going? How's your work going? And people say, well, uh, I really haven't done anything yet. You know, I'm just like, uh I'm not sure yet, you know. And 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 getting like, oh, don't ask me that question. And the truth is, if the answer is um yeah, I'm just settling in or, you know, I don't know, not nothing yet, that's fine. I mean, there's this kind of feeling that we have to always be productive and other people may want to know what we're doing. So, getting away from that. <laughs> it's your business, really. Um Sometimes you're doing work just for yourself, sometimes you're doing nothing, uh sometimes you're in that incubation stage and sometimes you got something to share and that's great, you know, but um worrying about that can be counterproductive.
0: Well, and it seems to me like a lot of that comes from a kind of A societal inclination towards uh, giving people kind of positive, affirmative responses. I mean, we all walk up to each other all day long and say, oh, how's it going? How are you? Mm -hmm. And we always say, fine. Yeah, everything's great, even if your whole world is falling (laughs) apart. And and it's I, I think that we need to acknowledge that. When somebody is asking about our work, um, you know, they usually, or even how we are doing, really, they they probably have a genuine interest. And if things are, at least if they know you, yes, <laughs> and, and if if they know you well enough to ask about your work, they probably have a genuine interest. And and it's it's okay to to be honest with mm-hmm. people, um, and and be honest with yourself. And and I think that we need to give ourselves a permission. Um and we need to to be forgiving of ourselves if if things are not necessarily the way we want them yeah, um and uh it's that's we, we we can be extremely forgiving with other people, and we we most of us have that tendency, and I think it's a very a typical tendency to also be very unforgiving with yourself, <laughs> so true, <And> so true <laughs> I, and and that's something that we we need to practice mm-hmm. we need we need to. Um, really dedicate ourselves to, you know, how, how would I be treating another person mm-hmm. if I was speaking to them the way that I speak to myself? Or how, how, what would I say to another person in my situation? It, it probably would not be unkind.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I think so many of these habits of thought and habits of practice that are not working for us are based in negative views of ourselves anxiety concern for what other people think of us you know a lot of negativity that that's kind of the core of these things that we do or not respecting our own needs for for privacy for studio time um and and understanding that's a positive thing that we need um it's yeah so much of it is rooted in not being very nice to ourselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think any of these things are easy to overcome, and I don't want to suggest that they are, but I th- it, as there's so many things that when you just put a little focus on it and say, oh, yeah, I do that, and why do I do that? You know, what what is the reason why I'm forcing myself to do something that I recognize as counterproductive? Um, and what is the result of that and too often the result is things are not getting done uh a project that would be great to have out in the world at this very moment is stuck because i can't make certain decisions or you know it's like uh so many so much minutia sometimes that that really is blocking your flow and you know we all want that flow so um yeah, <laughs> it's a lot.
0: <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode?
1: Yeah, it's a lot. I, I, think, I think every single person has counterproductive habits. Um, and as you know, we're talking about, a lot of times the first step to getting over them or past them is just being aware of them and thinking specifically in the studio. How are they affecting your, your creative output? Because anything that is blocking you in that way can be so frustrating, and it it can keep you from really growing. Um, so you know, if art is a big part of your life, and we assume it is, if you're listening to this, um, it makes sense to challenge these kind of counterproductive things in your own behavior, your own beliefs, your attitudes, as they relate to what you do in the studio. How is this affecting my art? Um, And, you know, who knows if you work on it in the studio and you practice overcoming these things uh, as much as you can there, you know, it may it may uh, flow over into the rest of your life as well, because I always feel like creative work is such a great teacher. It's such a great practice for learning about yourself and growing as a person.
0: All right. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please go to MessyStudioPodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as Rebecca's public profile page. For more from Rebecca Kroll, check out RebeccaKroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at ColdWaxAcademy.com. Be sure to sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. For more from myself, Ross Stickner, check out RossDickner.com. The Messy Studio is a tick digital media production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. Until then, embrace your creative space. Messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.